Well, thank you all for uh, having me here today. It's a great joy uh, to be here on this Reformation Day. I'm honored to be here and to be asked to lead the devotional. Have a, a tremendous amount of respect for Stephen Lee and uh, for the work that the Lord is is using, really uh, doing through him at Sermon Audio, as well as in facilitating and guiding this particular prayer time over the past three years. Uh, today, I want us to consider... Um, section of verses out of James 5. So if you have your copy of God's Word, we'll be looking at James 5, uh, verses 16 through 18, which reads, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. So in this brief time this afternoon, I really want us to, to see three things. One is the importance of intercessory prayer. Secondly, the power of prayer. And then thirdly, the example that James uses of the power of prayer. And one of the reasons that I wanted to share this with you all today uh, as we began the prayer meeting is that the Lord really laid on my heart recently uh, just how powerful prayer is. I think many of us, even devout Christians, tend to devalue the power of prayer. We, we surely give verbal assent to it, but do we really exercise uh, this great privilege that we have? Um, in my years of ministry as a, as a ruling elder, I found that prayer is really probably the most underutilized means of grace available to the believer. So why is prayer a forgotten privilege? Why is it a last resort instead of a first resource? Well, I think there's many answers to that, but let's look first of all at what Paul is highlighting here in verse 16. He's really discussing the importance of intercessory prayer in verse 16, when he says, simply pray for one another. How important this is that we can share with fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord, how the Lord is uh, working in our lives, uh, to be able to feel comfortable sharing specific prayer needs that we have. And again, how sweet it is when one can share a specific need with you and know that you will pray for them. I found it particularly valuable in others' lives that uh, you don't just say, hey, I'll be praying for you, though that's important, but if able to take the time right then and there to pray at that moment with them. What wondrous ways the Lord will work through those prayers if we will carry this out and take seriously that we need to pray for one another. Charles Spurgeon once wrote about this verse and said, Believer, thou has a mighty engine in thy hand, use it well, use it constantly, use it with faith, and thou shalt surely be a benefactor to thy brethren. So we see the importance of intercessory prayer. Secondly, and what we'll be highlighting more today, is James discusses the power of prayer. Now, many of you are, are perhaps pastors, teachers, Bible study leaders. You know, there's much uh, preparation, there's much uh, prayer that goes into to teaching the Word of God for the people of God. You've no doubt had experiences after you preach or have taught uh, where you've said to yourself almost like, where did that come from? 
It was almost like the Holy Spirit was speaking and not me. Well, indeed, that is what we long for and desire for, that the Holy Spirit would use us as a mouthpiece to convey truth to listening ears. I had one such experience just a few weeks ago. I was preparing to teach from Romans 2, fell ill with a cold, one that completely zapped my energy. Uh, I was feeling slightly better on Sunday to teach, but still had really very little energy. As I was reviewing my lesson, even just minutes before stepping into the podium to teach, there was spiritual warfare that was just ensuing in my mind. It was almost like God and Satan were playing ping pong in my head. I don't know if y'all have had that experience before. Satan telling me, Kevin, you can't do this. You can't teach this today. God responding with, I've already given him my words and he will win because I have won. Well, the Lord showed me just in that small example in my own life, the power of prayer. How many of you listening today are, are parents and grandparents? Uh, no doubt we pray for our children and grandchildren that they would be kept from danger. And yet how often do they come so close to danger, just on the brink of it at times, or getting injured, but the Lord answers our prayers, preserves them, keeping them from harm. Consider Hannah's prayer for a son. We read in 1 Samuel, she prayed fervently and likely for a period of several years. And yet Hannah recognized the sweet providence of the Lord at Samuel's birth and exclaimed, I have asked for him from the Lord, 1 Samuel 1.20. Well, these are just a few examples of the power of prayer of the Lord blessing the prayers of the righteous. This particular context for this section of verses in James 5 is that James is writing to the 12 tribes of Christians who are now in dispersion. So they've gone out from their homeland, no doubt they feel the pressures of the world. They're living away from one another and they're living in a fallen world, much like we are today. This is certainly not our eternal home and we feel that more and more palpably as time goes on. He's telling them in chapter five though, to pray if they are suffering, verse 13, uh, to call upon the elders of the church if you are sick, verse 14, and then finally to confess your sins and pray for one another in verse 16. But we see in the last part of verse 16 that the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Other translations say that it availeth much. So who is a righteous person? Because that's the one that the Lord hears. A righteous person is one who has been saved, one whose sins are forgiven. Thus, they are able to offer prayers in faith to the one who has saved them. Christ died for us. He took on our sins. He imputed to us his righteousness. Paul writes, for our sake, he made him to be no sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might be the righteousness of God, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. It is true that God hears the prayers of the righteous, of the believer, because of the blood of his dear son, not because of anything that we have done. Dear believer, God doesn't hear our prayers for who we are, at least not in and of ourselves, but whose we are. John Calvin writes, not that our prayers are founded on our own unworthiness, but because the heart must be cleansed by faith before we can present ourselves before God. The King James Version renders verse 16 this way, the effectual fervent prayer 
of a righteous man availeth much. So why are the fervent prayers of the righteous effectual? Namely, because God makes it effectual. He answers our prayers in accordance with his perfect and pleasing will because of the blood of his dear son and our savior, Jesus Christ. Our prayers have great effect. God is hearing them. He's using them. He's answering them. Now, to be sure, God commands that we pray that we would be changed, not that he would be changed. We know there is no shadow of turning with thee, as it says in James 1.17, but we as his covenant people, as his adopted children, are changed and further sanctified as we come to the Lord in faith, through faith and prayer. It's indeed a means of grace to help build us up and make us more like our Heavenly Father. We've seen that God hears the prayers of the righteous, but it begs the question, does he hear the unrighteous, those that are outside of the covenant family of God? We read in John 9.31, we know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Again, in 1 Peter 3.12, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. What a blessing it is for us that are, that are saved, that are, that are uh, declared righteous by the Lord, that his eyes are upon us. His ears are always open to our prayer, but not so for the unbeliever, for they are at enmity with God. The unbeliever's heart is hardened toward God's. Indeed, his eyes are even blind to the truth's contained in God's word. We see in 2 Corinthians 4.4, uh, 4, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. We've seen thus far the importance of intercessory prayer. We've seen that God hears the prayers of the righteous. He doesn't hear the unrighteous, and there is great power in prayer. But now to prove his point, James goes on in verse 17 to give us an example of one whose scripture had great power. We read in verses 17 through 18, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it may not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. And he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Now, many of the Jews thought Elijah was a forerunner of the Messiah to come. We also see that Elijah was really like us in many ways. As we look through uh, many sections of, of different parts of 1 Kings, we see that, 1 Kings seventeen eleven, And as she was going to bring it, he, that is Elijah, called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So we see here that he's hungry. 1 Kings nineteen three, Elijah was afraid as he fled from Jezebel. It says, then he was afraid he rose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Even later in 1 Kings 19, we find uh, Elijah is downtrodden, depressed, even asking the Lord to take his life. And yet the word of the Lord finds him in a cave and he begins praying. Well, have you been hungry or afraid or depressed? So was Elijah, and yet he prayed, and so should we. 
We're to also pray expectantly, knowing that God delights in hearing our prayers and in answering them. For those of us that are parents, we love when our children come to us with a need or a request. How much more does our perfect Heavenly Father delight when we come to Him through the blood of Jesus, presenting our request to Him, asking that He would hear us because of Jesus, and asking that He would answer our prayers in accordance with His will, not ours. There's so much to pray for, isn't there? Uh, Some of you online today may have had a recent uh, difficult diagnosis to bear. Others, a financial trial, some an unsaved family member or neighbor, perhaps it may be strained relationships with adult children or wayward children. Many of you the past few years have been in this gathering of believers and been praying for revival in our land and throughout the world. Oh, how we need revival for people to bend the knee and to yield their hearts to the sovereign God of the universe. We pray for people to be saved and for those who have not even yet heard the gospel to be able to hear the gospel and to respond in saving faith. But dear brothers and sisters, let us also remember this. There's great power in prayer, but also remember that God is able to do far more abundantly than we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Ephesians 3.20. There's so much power in prayer. He delights in hearing our prayers and in answering them in accordance with his will. And so let us use this wonderful privilege of prayer, this means of grace, really, and draw near to the throne of grace, grace in our time.